All right, well, welcome back to SJ at Noon. I am your host, Jamie Nugabauer, and I'm joined on the line today by the SJHL Championship winning coach with the Estevan Bruins, Jason Tatarnik. Jason, how are you doing? How have the celebrations been going down in Estevan? I'm doing well, Newsy. Um, yeah, the town was pretty excited, so um, yeah, it was a good celebration this weekend, and and uh yeah it's just soaking it in and uh just and still enjoying the moment for sure i mean was there a thought and obviously you know you want to win you you know better than anybody that uh you know whenever you get an opportunity to win the championship you got to take it and, and embrace it but is there something even more special about the fact that it was at home that it was game seven uh in front of all those fans Oh yeah, it definitely adds to it. Uh, anytime you can win a championship on home ice, there's there's no feeling out there that can uh, replicate that, and uh, especially with that many, you know, with that many people in the building, um, just create a real special environment, and um, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's something our guys will never forget. Yeah, for sure. So if people are unaware, you know, the Essendon Bruins beat the Flint Flon Bombers in Game Seven of the SJ Finals. On Friday, May the sixth, with a two nothing, uh, a two nothing victory, uh, and you know it, it seemed for the especially for the people on the outside that the way that the games went in Flin Flon, the games the way that they went in Estevan, the game model as it were were so different. Like, and Flin Flon, it was <clears throat> you know up and down and goals flying in and and everything, and in Estevan, it seemed like it was a bit of a tighter thing. Do you think that was? Um, you know, based on the the ice, the the size of the ice, do you think that was execution by the teams? How, what would you kind of chalk that up to? Yeah, you know, I, I think both teams play uh, very well in their home ice, and uh, I give them fun credit; they played extremely well there. Um, I think both teams feel they miss an opportunity to win in the other team's rink. Um, you know, I thought after we tied it up there and fun fun in game three, I thought if we could get more. Overtime, there was a chance, so and they probably feel the same way about game five. So, I think we both missed our opportunity to win a game on the road, and um, so it kind of just worked out uh, that uh, we were coming back here for game seven. And uh, and it was a real quiet confidence on the way home on the bus, uh, you know, even leading up to the, to the game while we were back in town. It was, it was you could just sense and feel the confidence that we had of playing at home for game seven. Absolutely, and the I guess uh, coach's dream uh, scenario, I guess in terms of execution of a game plan and it late in the playoffs. At least from my perspective, it seemed like your guys just really executed. Maybe what what you were hoping, uh, you know, what was kind of the game plan in in terms of the game model you wanted to see for Game Seven, and how much of that is what you want to see when the Centennial Cup starts. Yeah, like for for us, we wanted to clean up our uh, our, our our D zone or the defensive side of the puck. Um, you know, we we made some mistakes up in Flin Flon that we normally don't make, and they capitalized on them. And uh, so we wanted to clean that up, and uh, we had a good discussion about it and uh, reviewed some things. And then even on the penalty kill, um, we were really dissatisfied with how we performed on our penalty kill. Um, from game three to, to, to game six and you know we um went over a few things and, and there was one area that i thought we weren't doing very well we we're just very hesitant at it and we really stressed it and so when they did have their power play opportunity um you know 
they didn't, they didn't generate anything, and, and that's a credit to our guys for executing what we want to do on the PK. Yeah, so it was sort of a much lower scoring chance, even both ways, I'd say, and um, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, I think how 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 a coach might draw it up, and especially, you know, on a bigger ice surface, a lot of people say, you know, bigger ice surface more time and space, blah, 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 more chances. That's not the case. I think in Flin Flon, there were tons of tons more scoring chances. I think the ice and the boards and the atmosphere had, had something to do with it too. Um, but I guess I, I want to ask about some specific players and then sort of get back to more broader topics. But, uh, you know, one guy that you and I talked a lot about throughout the finals and even throughout the year is Dayton Deeks in a guy that doesn't get the respect maybe he deserves. Um, you know, what are, what are people, what are college scouts even missing about Dayton? totally agree he's he's very underrated and um you know Dayton skates extremely well he can get up the ice um but he can get back in a hurry um play on the defensive side of the puck again so you know his mobility is excellent uh probably you know that's probably the, the thing that's probably underrated the most within our league is how mobile he is and then for being a small guy like he he competes extremely hard um I think if you ask opposition players um, if Dayton Deeks is a joy to play against, I think they're going to say no just because he skates well. He does compete extremely hard. Um, so that makes things tough. And then and then on the flip side, when the puck goes to the, to the offensive side, now you got to make sure you're you're watching where Dayton is because uh, if, if you've missed that assignment, he's going to make you pay. And he did that a few times throughout the playoffs where he had you know, beautiful rushes and scored important goals. So, um, you know, I, I think there's lots that people are missing on Deaton Deeks. Yeah, well, uh, 10 goals as as a defenseman in the regular season, 35 points, and then 14 points in 16 games in the playoffs. You know, normally that's that's a super, those are super offensive numbers for a defenseman. And, um, you know, obviously a guy that also plays big numbers you know how important too is that fitness level for him because you do rely on him a lot yeah and that's the the, the one thing that we uh stressed here throughout the regular season was um for a lot of our guys just not dating but we'll concentrate on him is you know we played our six defensemen every game they all they all had their minutes we didn't overplay any of our guys throughout the regular season because we didn't have to um because we had that depth and maybe a guy like Dayton Deeks, maybe that's why he went under was under the radar so much because he didn't play the big minutes in the regular season like some other guys did. You know, Dayton wasn't always the first guy going on the boards on the power play. Um, sometimes he didn't get out there at all. Uh, so I, I think um, you know we kind of managed his minutes throughout the regular season, and then as the regular season was coming to a close, we kind of upped his minutes just to get him uh, used to it. And, um, you know, throughout the playoffs, he did play big minutes and he had that tank and he could go and go and go. And that was extremely important for us because, you know, we used him against the other team's top players and used him on the penalty kill, used him on the power play. Um, definitely a guy that was going out there four on four. So, uh, his minutes jumped extremely higher in the playoffs, um, and he handled it very well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, many many things stick out to me about him. One of them, one of my favorite things about him, and one of my my favorite things about any player is that ability to be hyper aggressive. He could be at the other team's red line, trying to be part of the offense, be that fourth fourth attacker in to to make offense, but he never seems to be in trouble back the other way. So he's, he's playing with his his brain, his mind as well. So that's something that I really appreciated about Day, about Dayton and watching him uh, and continue to watch him uh, at the Centennial. Uh, you know, but we move on to uh, the goalie, Boston Belois. And, um, you know, you, again, I, I asked you many, many times over the year, over the year, you know, what, the fact that his numbers, I guess, in his last year in the Western Hockey League, maybe weren't they weren't weren't where they he would have wanted them to be with the Moostra Warriors, even given the fact that that Regina Hub situation was very unideal for a lot of people, um, and obviously he had a very young Moostra team in front of him that year. But uh, just talk about your level of confidence, you know, in Boston from the very beginning, and and how much that grew throughout the year. Yeah, I think with your goaltenders, you have to have a really good relationship with your goaltender. Um, they have to know that you trust them, you have confidence in them. And, and you know, Boston, it kind of came full circle with him, with, with me. Uh, I recruited him as a 15-year-old to come play for me in the BCHL. You know, he had, he had a scholarship offer, um, but he decided to go the Western Hockey League routes. And then four years later, um you know, we we get in touch again, and and we recruit him to come to uh, Estevan, and um, you know, it was a pretty important piece for us because uh, I, I knew what Boston was capable of. Um, you know, I saw it as a young player. I saw flashes of it in the Western Hockey League um, when he came back and played that one game for us uh, in the shortened season. He was spectacular. Um, you know, stop breakaways. Uh, I can't remember if he got a shutout or that one goal in. It was either one of them. But, it was a uh, shutout, yeah. And he, he was just outstanding. And so we, we let him do his Western Hockey League thing uh, to see where he was going to end up. And, um, you know, when he became available, he pursued it and and he decided to come. So that was great. Um, and I think my relationship with him prior, you know, recruiting him with him and his family was uh, you know, a comfort place for them. And he was up here, kind of experienced our rank, experienced everything that we had to offer, and um, and for him, it, you know, it wasn't so much about the centennial. He same thing with him that he went to win a, a league championship. Um, that was really important to him because he did it with the Prince Albert Raiders as a backup, and he wanted to be the guy that won it when he was on the ice. So, you know, coming here and wanting to win that league championship was important to him, and. And we were just extremely happy he came because we, we knew he was a good person. He's actually one of our, our biggest leaders in the dressing room. So it was just a, a great day when he said, yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I heard uh, I heard a story, I think it was from Matt Millett, about, uh, about Boston being the one to, to call call some people out for some from D-zone coverages and stuff like that. Just uh, not, some, I guess some some goalies are like I gotta mind my own business, just stop the puck. But certainly that wasn't uh, that wasn't Boston. You know, it seemed like uh, for you guys from the outside. Uh, you talk about those relationships too with Boston. You got you guys had, you know, Cade Runke coming in. You had Nolan Jones coming in. You had Eric Pierce coming in. You know, the list kind of goes on of all these guys that were teammates of his as well uh, in past years. Was you think that also was an element? Uh, for sure, you know. <sighs> You know, players are your best recruiters. Um, yeah. I'll say that 
know, until I stop coaching is players are your best recruiter. So if you're, you know, if they like each other and they're comfortable with each other, they're going to let you know who to go after. Um, and especially if they want to win, they'll, they'll tell you who you can win with. And, um, and you got to have that relationship with your players and you have to have that trust um, in them to, to have the same sense of wanting to win as, as you do as a coaching staff. So, um, you know, Boston wants to win, um, you know, which helped bring Eric Pierce here. Uh, Jones was here already. That helped bring Boston here. Um, then, you know, you have the group. Then that brings Kate Runke here. So it just kind of snowballed. Uh, and that's what you want. You want your players to be your best recruiters because mm-hmm. um, they're the ones that have the, the most honest opinion of playing in your program. Yeah, absolutely. I always like to think about that uh, Dream Team uh, documentary with the, the 92 basketball team with Team USA. And the first thing Michael Jordan asks when they call him on the phone is, you know, who else is coming? <laughs> so I kind of feel like maybe it was maybe it's a similar situation. Um, you know, I got to I got to move uh, move us to the present, too. And, um, you know, you have the championship, you win game seven. What's the challenge or not? I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth of getting this team refocused for a completely different type of uh, a format, different type of scenario. I think the first thing you have to do is let them enjoy it and get out of their system and um you know, once they're done, finished, enjoying the moment that they just captured, then then it's time to get to work. And for us, I think um, you know, I think that term is just a, a neat term. It's making with the structure of it is this year with the ten teams. So I think that's even added a little bit more fuel uh, to wanting the win because uh, you got everyone here. You have every league champion here. So now you're playing as the best of the best. Um, so you're going to find out where you do sit in that competition or, or that field. And, you know, being on, being on a home ice, you know, the, the crowd that we have, we hope that just keeps continuing. And, and for us, um, you know, it's, it's almost a, a pride thing too for your league um, and a Saskatchewan prideness. Um, you know, I, I find the, the Saskatchewan kids very proud of his province and where he grew up, where he played. Um, so when we go and we play, well, let's use our pool. You know, it's Alberta, um, Northwest Ontario, Quebec. Um, what else am I missing here? Um, OJ. OJ Yeah, another Ontario team. So, you know, it's Saskatchewan against the AJ Ontario and Quebec. Yeah, uh, and that pride comes out in, in the Saskatchewan players, and I feel the players that we recruited here absolutely love playing here. Mm. And absolutely love playing for the city of Estevan. So that prideness is going to come out too. So you can almost say it's you know the province of Saskatchewan against everyone else. Yeah, that's a great point. And again, uh, on top of that, another element, another wrinkle is that you are uh, an SJHL alumni yourself too. So maybe maybe that adds another element for you too. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a great league. And obviously when I played in, it was, you know, considered one of the, was considered the best league at the time in the country. And um, mm. no, we want to get back there. And it's it's not going to be something that happens over overnight. Um you know, but right now, us and Flynn have the opportunity to say, you know, we're the best team in the country. So that's a great opportunity. You have to chase it. And that's the big thing we're going to be talking to our players is, you know, chase that dream. Like, 
that's you, you have a chance to win a national championship that's a dream come true and just chase it um chase as hard as you can and if you and if you do maybe it'll become a reality and if it doesn't as long as you chased it as hard as you could then there's no regrets yeah so exciting can't wait centennial cup starts 20 or uh, may 19th uh from estevan get your tickets make sure you tune in uh should be a lot of fun i think uh, Estevan opens up against Collège L'Angeray Francais of the Quebec League. Flint Flon opens up against the Northern Ontario League champs, which I think is still up in the air. But uh, just two more questions then, Tarts. Really, really appreciate your time. What's the plan now? How much do you practice? Do you change anything because, you, you know, of, of the completely different format, different competition? What's the plan? You know better. We don't practice. <laughs> you know. <laughs> No, um, what we'll do is the same thing. We'll concentrate on some of the things that we have to do that, you know, how we perform and take care of our business first. And then, um, you know, we know who we're playing first. So obviously we're going to watch some video on, uh, on the team from Quebec and get prepared for that. And we'll have a chance to see them live play. They like play live first on, on Thursday. So we'll have a good, a better handle of, um, but, you know what we saw on video and what we really have to watch out to and maybe with something that's not really a concern so sometimes you can over prepare and that's something definitely we, we don't want to do is over prepare our guys um we believe we have a really good team we believe we're gonna have a really tough rink to play in um so you have to have that little that, that confidence in yourselves to perform and we, we want that confidence to stay and not over prepare our guys and talk about how great other teams are so but they are good teams uh don't get me wrong but uh yeah so we'll, we'll start up again here on wednesday uh you know our guys enjoyed the weekend and i just kind of want to give monday tuesday off to rest and heal um so we did have you know obviously we're gonna have some bumps and bruises from that seven game series it was a hard fought one and uh we'll start preparing on wednesday for uh the centennial we won't you know, really prepare for an individual team for the first couple of days. We'll kind of wait until we get closer to the tournament, and then uh, we'll start getting ready for uh, our guests from Quebec. Yeah, for sure. Those guests from Quebec mentioned them, Collège Longjoy, which is a team that has been at the Centennial Cup a bunch the last number of years. And but they get Brooks first, and then you guys second. So that's nice. Uh, but anyways, last last question for you, Tarts. Then uh, how how much fun is this? How exciting is it? Uh, you know, the, I know you're somebody that's interested in in Hockey Canada and and you know national championships. You've been here before. This is your your third Centennial Cup coming up, I believe. Is uh, how much fun? How excited are you just just as a as a kid? I guess uh, you know back back in the candy store. You know, I, you know, it's it's such a fun tournament. Uh, it's a special tournament, and I tell people all the time: if you get an opportunity, experience, um, take it because it's it's remarkable. And it, even this year, um, to to do it with a former player um, and Phil Fife that played for me when we went to the Nationals in 2012. <laughs> I think that's really special. Um, you know, this is his third trip to the, the Nationals as well, and um, you know, uh, it's kind of neat for us because we still have that taste of losing in 2012 um, when we were there in Humboldt, and uh, you know, we really like to you know, change that outcome and uh, you know, working together, and and we lost together in the, the national championship final. Maybe this, this time around we can. Uh, 
we can win together as a, as a staff and you know and our whole staff has come together really well it's um you know a great bunch of people to work with from our trainers to our scouts um to our coaches to our to our, our board of directors it's just been an outstanding year absolutely well tarts all the best to you all the best as well to the to the flin flon bombers all starts may 19th i'm sure we'll talk plenty before then but uh make sure you rest up and thanks so much for your time always a pleasure Nipsey.